I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of GreenRope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Festock, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Theater. It's that time of year again. You need to file your taxes. For many people, the word taxes brings on an instant headache. What's deductible? What's not? What's changed for the current year? The tax code is thousands of pages long. Who has time to figure it all out? Thankfully, Get Help Tax and Bookkeeping has a solution for you. Simply complete a brief questionnaire online, and one of our IRS-authorized tax professionals will prepare and file your return. It's fast and easy. Call 914-467-9271 to get started. If you need help, get help. Hey, are you having trouble getting a merchant account? Do you need an international payment gateway because your business is now stretching across the pond? Have you been rejected by other merchant account providers? No problem. iPayTotal wants your business. Our high-risk merchant accounts allow you to accept all major credit and debit cards. iPayTotal delivers payment solutions and products to help you grow your business. Contact us now for your payment processing at info at ipaytotal.com or visit www.ipaytotal.com. That is the letter I, paytotal.com. Your online payments partner. We make payments processing easier for high-risk merchants. When is the last time you've actually watched a movie and went and read a book that was written about the lessons in a movie? Well, I want to introduce you to a book that is written by Jack Cogra. This book is called 26 Life and Business Lessons from the Black Panther Movie. Yes, as a reader, here's what you're going to learn. Maintaining focus, time management, loyalty, impact of our actions, importance of embracing diversity, and the effect of oppressive forces. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to take a moment, go to Amazon and look up 26 Life and Business Lessons from the Black Panther movie by author Jack Conger. What is your goal for 2018? Earn more money? More time for your family or yourself? We offer you a solution. Be your own boss. To learn more, please go to our website, www.runerinder.com. We look forward to having you as an Erinder. Now, let's listen to this week's episode. Hey, welcome. Welcome to today's show. If this is your first time, thank you for being a first time listener. I appreciate however you found us, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter or Instagram. However you found us. Thank you so much today. Today, 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 man, I can talk all about today, but this is part two. Yes, part two of my interview with Kathleen Quinn Votal, the CEO of Talent Trust. Now, listen, if you have not had an opportunity to hear the first part, if this is your first time, go back, go back to our last interview. I promise you, you will enjoy it. She's a fascinating woman. This is part two. She's going to dive even deeper into her thoughts about organizations as they become flatter, what companies need to do concerning this multi-generational movement. And she has some very interesting takes that I think we all will be able to get some nuggets out of. So grab your pen, grab your popcorn, whatever it is, put your headphones on. Listen to the part of this interview that is fascinating. Part two, 
the CEO of Talent Trust, Kathleen Quinn Votow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I completely agree with that. Um, I, I'm, I'm a history buff by nature. So one of the things about baby boomers that I absolutely love is the transition that happened after World War II and how that also impacted workplace culture and how that mm-hmm. changed work corporations, employee bases forever. Right. There mm-hmm. was obviously mm-hmm. we were all focused on the war. Um, and then when it was over, America was kind of like, well, what, what do we do now? <laughs> and so right. the companies, you know, we're, we're, we're hiring veterans and there's a lot of different things that were going on, but the dynamics of work to change. So speaking of change, I, I, I'm curious to get your input because you've you've seen the corporate side of change. You've mm-hmm. seen the, the, the side of change as a as a as a CEO who has to sometimes look out in the future five, eight years ahead and say, how do I position my company to survive? Right. Absolutely. How have you done? What's it? You know, we're not we don't have the, the, the blessing of, of season and age to be able to know, but, but if you can just share with us, like, what's it, what's it like have seen, have, have seen so much change in such a short order of, of time really? Cause time is very, very short on, on, on this earth. We only get a little bit of time to do a whole lot, but you've seen so much over many decades. What has that change been like for you? Well, the change is, I, I'm the daughter of an Irish immigrant, so I've seen either, e- even more change. Wow. He came to this country with $20 in his pocket and a change of clothes. Mm. So um, I'm, my roots are very humble, uh, but very mighty, and uh, from a very can-do uh, attitude. If you can get a job and earn a living and save some money, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And so that has always stayed with me, those values that you're capable of anything, and the only thing you need to do, do is decide that you're going to go for it. <laughs> so, so that's number one. That's kind of how my table was set. But having, I've gone through, when I first emerged into the workforce, there were not, there was no technology at Kelly Services in 1985 in Hartford, Connecticut, their system was on green file cards. So Chris, you would walk in, you'd fill out a green application. They had this filing system that was kind of like a command station. We could see everybody's names and what their core skills were. And as clients called in to say, I needed you know, assistance in some kind of key skill, you know, receptionist, word processing, I'll date myself a little bit, but I call it word processing, um, you know, data entry, things of uh, accounting, things of that sort. We would stand at this panel and look at the cards and look at the skills and look at the, you know, handwritten notes of how people actually worked for us in prior engagements. They were called assignments at that time. And, um, there was no technology. It was the phone and I had a bunch of cards and then I'd call you and say, Hey, Chris, do you want to work Thursday and Friday for ABC company? Are you available? These dates, these times, can you do these skills? You know, we tested you, but do you feel confident? And you'd say yes or no. And I would trust that you would show up. There was no texting. I couldn't confirm with you in the morning. 
There was no email communication right. to <laughs> set up a meeting. Right. We couldn't set up an set up an Outlook meeting. I couldn't video or Skype them or <laughs> you know set up a Zoom. I I mean I just had to trust that you were going to do that. Then fast forward. I started working with a company in Boston, and the very first applicant tracking system that came out was from a company called Caudwell Spartan out of Marietta, Georgia. Hmm. And I remember this because I was the one nominated or elected or selected, whatever, to um, go get trained on the system and build a manual and train everybody. I was the Caudwell Spartan girl, and it was a DOS-operated system. Do you remember the terminals? You probably don't. Yeah, I do. Some of your listeners and I. I remember the terminals. I remember the floppy disk that was black. I remember all of that. (laughs) And it was a a dark screen with orange, you know, Mm -hmm. things flashing at you in orange letters. And so that was our very first applicant tracking system. Wow. And the the adoption of technology is harder than anything. The technology is awesome, but the adoption of technology takes so much time. Um, You know, so now we have Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and all kinds of tools to communicate. Mm -hmm. And, um, so many people of of the more um, mature generations, as I call them, won't adapt to the technology that they need to to communicate with the people that might be their uh, daughters or sons or their employees. Mm. So, so, so I caution those maturing generations to not dis excuse the expression, (laughs) you know, social media, because it's a really great way to communicate with people, to build your employment brand, to tell the world who you are, because the next generations are those who are going to be working for you. Yeah. You know, you know, and And you bring up a good adoption piece is really adoption of technology is really important for people to keep in their mind. I'm pretty wicked. Cool. I've got an Instagram account. I know how to (laughs) post on Instagram and Facebook at the same time. I have social media people posting for talent trust. So I'll pause. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you, you bring up a really good point because, um, I have seen where, you know, a lot of uh, mature generations, especially if they're sitting in leadership positions, they're frustrated with the advent of social media. They're frustrated with Mm -hmm. the they think it's a you know, it's a waste of time and it's, you know, nothing, you know, that that people should be, you know, leveraging or it's too hard. And a lot of times it's just based on they just don't really know. And one of the things that I've, I've had a lot of conversations about is to say. You know, sometimes embracing what is is a whole lot better than resisting what has changed. Exactly. And, and, and it's, well it's it's a it's a it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying that, you know, I haven't embraced every single piece of social media. I only use Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I'm not on Snapchat. I'm not on some of the other ones, you know, but what I what I what I recognize and I think one of the things that I talk to a lot with uh, other other season generations is that something changed when you were a kid and you, older people, the silent generation had to adopt it. They had to find a way to make it work for them. And so, you know, I've seen where small companies have some of the 
biggest brands on social media and they're not that big. You know, they're I know, but, but they look mighty. Don't exactly. They? They've they've embraced it to the point where now they leverage it in a way that builds their company. And I think that's okay. kind of the key. That's like the secret sauce of it is to say, look, you can be a, a, a six person operation, but you can command a million people and have a following that is greater than any of the foot traffic because of where your current location might be. But you can literally command and create a brand that is easily recognizable because digital conversation is happening and it's going to continue to happen. It is. And I will, I'll stress to your listeners, if you are trying to attract the hourly worker, it is a amazing tool to reach them because Think of your um, your uh, your hourly workers. Every single one of them have some kind of smartphone, Re- regardless of what they're making. Everyone has a smartphone. Mm-hmm. They find a way to have one. So if you can communicate with them with the technology that they embrace, they probably don't have a laptop at their house. They probably don't have an iPad at their house but they do have a smartphone right? and there's tools that you can t- even take one step, text your, text the people, text people who you want to come work for you or text people who are currently working for you, engage them somehow because if you don't engage them, someone else is going to. That's right. Absolutely. So, so let's, let's switch gears here for a second because I'm, I'm, I'm interested to, to, to pick your brain on a couple of different areas here. So, sure. When you talk about um, a, a baby boomer um, or a late Xer, they, you know, they they've seen a, a different world and 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 sometimes feel that you know if I've come out of a particular small company and I had a leadership com- uh, status or you know if I'm I'm searching right now if if I might if you know I want you to kind of talk to now the seasoned you know you know person who is searching for a new career, who is not, who's saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's scary, right? I don't want to, but I still do have this 30 years of experience and I feel like mm-hmm. I should be in an executive position. What I, I just would like for you for a second, because I, I just think your, your, your position and what you've done for so long is just a fascinating space to be in, especially right now with this kind of war for talent that's going on. What, what would you say to a baby boomer who they may want to look other places, but, you know, to be quite honest, and I'm sure you know this, the data shows it. Most baby boomers aren't giving up their job one because they don't feel like they can be hired somewhere else because of their age. They feel like there's some ageism that does go on in HR uh, practices. They feel like, well, I might as well stay put where I am, even if I don't like it. Because I've got tenure here, I've got clout here, and if I try to go somewhere else, I'm never going to be able to get a new role because up because of my age. So my age works for me and against me, <laughs> almost at the same time. What what do you say to, to to somebody who might be listening to this and kind of sitting in that position today? I, I would encourage them to get out there because now is such a wonderful time. There's a supply and demand issue, Chris. There's an inventory issue. Companies cannot find 
people to fulfill their positions. Do you know that 5 million manufacturing jobs are unfilled right now today? Mm. They're, they're just unfilled. And in sales and marketing, companies are hungry for some kind of experience. Um, so there's so much opportunity, but here's the problem. People are fearful of taking that step, employees who are currently working for someone else. But statistically, about three out of four employees right now are actually either actively engaged or open to a conversation with another company. So that's one thing, and I'll come back to that. And then the companies don't know how to market or brand themselves to the employees about the culture that they're creating. They just don't know how to communicate that we want you. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's stuff happening uh, on the company side. They don't know how to communicate. We want you come talk to us. We embrace you. The employees are scared of stepping out because they don't know how relevant they are. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have a huge inventory problem that is not going to close anytime soon just because we have the sheer numbers that the boomers represented and the numbers that the millennials represent. Mm-hmm. It's just a math problem. So the first step in all of this is recognizing that people are looking for great talent. So that's number one and staying very positive about that. Number two, researching the companies that, that really um, attract you and your core values. So what many people, the mistake many people do in the job search is they apply to ads. They're pretty passive about what they're doing. They Mm -hmm. think only an opening will create an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Well, identify some companies in your geographic area that actually make your socks roll up and down, you know, that, (laughs) that actually inspire you somehow that you want to work for. Send a note to the CEO, president, chief operating officer, chief, whoever, somebody senior in the organization saying, I'm at this point of my career. I would love to come and, and learn more about your company and possibly join your team and help you achieve your goals. Who wouldn't say yes to that? Who wouldn't take that meeting for somebody mm. who had some kind of that kind of chutzpah? And I tell this to people anytime I get to talk to them, but many people don't do it out of fear. That's right. That's right. So that's, that's number two. Number three is it's just not true. Companies are hiring people of all ages right now. They're, they're, they are actually hiring back retired people. People who are 62 who have to work into their 70s because in 2008 and 2009, their savings got crushed. Right. It's just a fact. People are working well into their 70s. So companies are trying to figure out how to boomerang these people back. And they're coming back as contractors. I have someone who I know who's in his mid-60s who works for CH2M Hill. They have a whole program to re-engage their workforce who's retired as contractors Mm. on their terms for their hours. And they pay them an honest hourly wage and they, and it's really, um, it works really well for the employee, the, the independent contractor, and it works really well for the company. So, I mean, it's, it's a great match. They want to go golf in the morning and work in the afternoon. Right. You know, or <laughs> you know, or play tennis in the morning and work in the afternoon. Right. And it works for everybody involved. 
So it, it's not true that companies don't want people of a certain age. And I'll tell you a story. There's a gentleman named Casey who came to me, and he was 55 years old. And he is a great salesperson, amazing salesperson. He had convinced himself nobody would ever hire him. Hmm. He sat there in front of me. We had this conversation. And he asked me, he said, Kathleen, can I ask you the, you know, the hard question that I haven't asked? I said, of course you can. He said, I'm a 55-year-old man. Who's going to want me? Hmm. So sometimes it's our, self, it's our self-belief. Right. It's our belief systems that hold us back from doing things. Because I tell you, people want you. And Casey went on to work as VP of sales for a growth, an educational growth company. And then from that company, he went on to join a company in um, scientific devices. Hmm. And he's now traveling all over. Um, I, I don't. I've lost touch with Casey, but when I he went on to do two more jobs of at the VP level in sales and marketing that he loved. He loved, but because he was brave enough to get out there. That's right. And strut his stuff and show people that he was still relevant. He still had the energy. He still wanted to do things, and he still wanted to be vital That's and deliver. Right. That's right. So let's talk about the other side of that. What are companies missing when it comes to talent? Oh, dear. So much. How long? <laughs> we only have, what, 10 more minutes? Goodness. <laughs> um, so there, there's, all kidding aside, there's some companies that are doing it well, but far too few. And um, they forget that they're hiring human beings. And to take it all the way back, I mean, some of the work that Talent Trust does, well, all the work that we do is focused around finding, keeping, and retaining great people. So when we come into our, any kind of customer, we first do a gap analysis. And some of our findings, um, Chris, is they, people, don't know, um, people don't know who you are. Right. They don't know how to find our clients. They don't have an employment brand. They're not, they're not standing on a... Uh, they're not standing out there on top of a mountain yelling, this is who we are, this is what we need. Mm-hmm. They, they're not, they have no identity on social media. They have no website. They have no connectivity to the relevant current technologies. So companies can't find them. They just can't find the people because the people can't find them. Right. So, so it's, really a, it's really a crisis. And then what they're doing is, they hire people and they think they have the skills to hire other people. So a lot of our work is on consulting on how to build a process and system around finding, keeping, and growing great people, including how do you conduct an interview? It's even that basic, Chris. Mm-hmm. People assume that people know how to conduct an interview just because they've reached a certain level in their career. But many people have never been trained on how to have that critical conversation. And then the technology that enables um, strategic recruiting, they have none of that technology. They've put no effort into designing a plan. And recruitment is a sales process, Chris. I'll say that again. Recruitment is a sales process. And we keep putting it in human resources. Mm. And while I love human resources, do you think human resources are sales and marketing people? Very interesting perspective. Wow. So if recruitment is a sales process and we keep giving it to human resources, there's no wonder why 
we're having some trouble. Very interesting. So you marry marketing with a sales and sales and marketing recruitment process with technology, you'll have much better results. It'll never be perfect because we're dealing with people. Mm-hmm. Nobody's looking for perfection. We're looking for better. And what, what my company does is we help our clients move the needle to better every single month. And our engagements last anywhere from three to six years. Very interesting. Very interesting perspective. So um, last two questions I'll ask you here. Um, when it comes to the millennial who is now starting to uh, bombard and uh, knock down a lot of C-suite doors <laughs> um, yeah. in companies across the across the world, what would you say um, and what are some of the, the the things and advice that you would give to that millennial who does, you know, ultimately land that job? They landed that VP role at 32 or they're landing that you know, role at 34 um, as a as a senior um, contributor to the company. What advice would you give them, given the times and kind of the things that we're we're dealing with now? I would suggest that they be kind in everything that they do, uh, because when you're kind and you're considerate and you're thoughtful and you listen, you'll get the answers from the people you're trying to serve. If you don't, if you're not kind and considerate and you're not thoughtful, and you don't listen to people, you will not understand their perspective. Also, I love, Chris, that you said earlier, you're a history, you love history. What I find sometimes with the emerging professional is they forget there's a whole history. Mm -hmm. It's not, we're just not operating in now, here and now. People have experienced things that you might not understand, I'd also suggest they seek to understand before they craft an entire opinion because everyone has experiences that inform where they are. And I think that's really important that they pause and understand the history of the company, the history of the employee that they're working with, whether they be a a peer or somebody who might be of a more um, seasoned uh, generation. So, um, Really, it's kind of stop, look, and listen. Remember, we learned that in order to cross the street. That's right. <laughs> yeah, same same rules apply in business. Don't come in guns a blazing. You got the job because you are capable and competent. Now show your compassion, and you'll be amazingly successful. That that is awesome. That that's awesome. So, uh, last question I'll ask you is about the future. Um, I do realize things change all the time. Um, you can always ask about the future because things are ever evolving. But more specifically, I want to ask you about this. What's the future of recruiting talent? I think the future of recruiting talent is very exciting, actually. I I created Talent Trust to disrupt and challenge the recruitment industry, which is a little stale in the, their, the way they operate. And for us, it's um, always emerging into new and exciting products and services. So because we have an inventory problem, I believe that the recruitment industry needs to migrate from just a resume mill type of service provider to more of a consulting firm 
to help companies solve their people puzzles, which we have adopted to already. And I like to believe, Chris, that we're a leading edge on how the industry needs to change. I know that Corn Ferry is, is, is embarking on this as well, and so is Heindrich and Struggles, to try to really help companies solve the issue versus um, make a transaction. It's a very different approach. So I think the future of recruiting has many exciting um, components around technology, um, develop, ongoing technology and engagement and um, tracking and communication tools via text and social media. There's so many cool things coming out right now. And I have people on my team who keep looking at the evolutions and how we can bring them to our clients. And then I think that because the inventory issue isn't going to go away, even if we have a little dip, as people are predicting in 2020, and I'm no economist, but um, I do follow the Bolio brothers at ITR Economics, and they suggest that there might be a little dip in the action in 2020, mm -hmm. but not much of a dip. And I think there's still going to be inventory issues. People need to get work done, even in a recession, even in times of lower growth. And um, they're still going to need to attract the right people. So this employment branding and building a culture by design, it's really where companies need a lot of help. Mm -hmm. And then they need the muscle to implement. And that's where we come in. That's right. Wow. Well, well, well listen, um, l let me say this um, on, on behalf of those who are, um, who are younger, who are always looking, uh, looking out, uh, wanting to be able to just be, um, in a position where they can succeed, willing to take a hand up. I want to say thank you for building a company, uh, that you have. And in 15 years, not only just achieving some of the great things that you've achieved, but being very intentional, um, you know, 300% revenue growth, in Inc. 5000 in 2015 and 16, I mean, recognized as one of the top women owned companies, you know, of the past six years. But what you're doing is creating a standard and a precedent that just reminds us younger folks who are millennials that that it still exists. Right. Um, that we do have uh, other people, um, you know, that we can lean on and learn from. And you're one of those people. And I just want to say thank you for the work that you put in. And please keep going because it's it's helpful to, to me. It's helpful to any person who who wants um, who wants a partner in this in this game called a career in this thing called life. Right. To be able to learn from and somebody to glean from. And so um, just thank you for your for your work and, and what you've done, you know, uh, up until this point. Because I, I don't think CEOs get enough credit for 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 what they do. Um, and on this show, we try to make sure that you're given a space and a highlight to be able to not only, you know, be celebrated, but at the same time, share with us. I mean, because granted, we don't know everything. Uh, but one of the things I do know is that experience knows everything. And so the more people that you can talk to, the better off you're going to be. Uh, and make better decisions and moving forward. So just thank you, Kathleen, for all that you've done. Thank you to your team who's placed everybody from the first person 15 years ago up until yesterday, right? And the people you'll place in the future, uh, because it does make a difference. And 
and it, it's it's just a it, it's a great testament to uh, being a leader uh, such as yourself who really does care about uh, today and the future. So thank you very much. My sincere pleasure. And you know what? I'm still evolving. I'm still learning. And I don't know everything either. So I learn every day from everyone I touch. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, that's going to do it. Another great interview is in the books. Another great week of hearing from a fascinating person. I want to thank those at Talent Trust. I want to thank Kathleen for her time. I want to thank every single CEO who's been on and listen. I want to thank you. Yes, you listening right now to the sound of my voice. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of our team of people and our fans and the people who actually support our show. Now, there's a couple of things that you can do to continue to show support. If you got any portion of value in this, I mean anything, make sure that you share that on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or on LinkedIn. You can use the handle at High Level Wisdom to be able to find us, follow us, share a thought, share a quote, share something that really stood out to you. And then also, more importantly than ever before, it's a digital world out here. So if you found us on iTunes or if you found us on Android, if you found us on Google Play, you know, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you found us, iHeartRadio, we're on all of them. Make sure that you leave us a review. That helps us with our rankings. That helps find more people like you in the world who love this sort of content. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that whatever you choose to do today, that you do it at a high level. Take care and I'll catch you in the next episode.